Hello, everybody. It is Monday, February 3rd, Super Bowl Monday, if you will, the day after, and wanted to um, come on, talk about the Super Bowl, and kind of announce we've been teasing it on our college shows every day that we are looking to expand more days into the pro football show. Just too much news. So uh, beginning today, we're doing it a little bit later today um, because of the Super Bowl and some of the responsibilities and wanting to get a chance to put some things in order, watch the game again, break down the tape of the game before coming on. But we're going to come on on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, In addition to college football every day. So you're going to have... Um, it, you know, a, a college football show every day, Monday through Friday, and we'll focus on a specific conference uh, each day. A um, lot more to cover, a lot more uh, teams to cover, programs to cover in college. Um, but I wanted to get more NFL in, and there's never a perfect time to get it going. Um, just basically behind-the-scenes stuff we're working on, and then trying to fit my schedule with everything uh, to try to make it work. So we're going to do that Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, You know, I guess it's a possibility we could end up doing five days a week. There's enough news to cover, but just in terms of production value, uh, help in getting that, we're just going to see how it goes, and we're going to go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you say, well, man, the NFL season's over. Oh, well, no, the playing season's over, and we're going to break down the Super Bowl. But we're going to have so much information related to uh, the draft, the combine, free agency, everything. You know, the combine's coming up, rather, the draft, NFL free agency. A lot of things that we're going to get into on a regular basis here uh, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. All part of our big three roll-up family, all part of Landry Football's conference call, which you can sign up for on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Landry Football's Conference Call. So you sign up for that, you're going to get this podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And you're going to get the college show Monday through Friday um, every day. And, of course, this is brought to you, as all of these podcasts are brought to you by our great friends at 401k Generation. They are the experts in financial services, financial um, management, uh, great place to go for investment advice, investment inquiries, money management. They, any way you want to describe it, look at it, utilize it. They can help you. Be it a second opinion to what you already have. Um, maybe somebody that can make sure that you're meeting all of your goals. So, go to 401k Generation today. Give them a call or a text at one eight six six nine nine eight. Five eight seven nine. That's one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine. They're licensed in all fifty states, so they can help you wherever you are listening to this podcast. Reminder: If you are looking to sponsor this podcast, maybe you're a big NFL fan. You know, as we expand this, the news, the notes, the followers are growing by the day. So it's a great opportunity to get involved on the ground floor as we expand these podcasts. If you want to promote your business, we can help you do that. Contact us at LandryFootball.com, and we'll see if it's the right fit for you. And for us, um, just go to Contact Chris, send me an email. Uh, it doesn't have to be long. Just tell you, tell us that you're interested, and TJ will get in touch with you and 
see whether it is the fit. And, of course, LandryFootball.com is where you want to go to get all of your detailed film room analysis, breakdowns. I'm going to break out the free agent boards, the free agent scouting reports, the draft boards, draft scouting reports, you name it. We've got it all covered. The big news in football this week, as kind of the calendar goes, as you know, if you follow this podcast on the college ones, we're involved in all aspects. Do consulting work. My background is as a coach and as a scout at the college and NFL level. So I do consulting work for college programs and NFL teams. Signing day, the second signing day, is this Wednesday. <clears throat> so we will, um, you know, follow. Now, it's not as big as it used to be with the early signing day in December, but it's still newsy, and we'll certainly have that covered. In fact, we've got it up on LandryFootball.com, where the top uncommitted, uncommitted players are likely to end up. Uh Already the class of 2021, um, scouting notes on those guys, as well as um, the prospects in the 2020 class, high grade to low grade. The blue grade, five-star prospects, the four-star plus, and the four-star, we've got it all covered for you at LandryFootball.com. So check it out. Uh, and then, of course, obviously, we're working and have been working on the free agent board. So we've got it all covered for you, one-stop shopping. Enough talk about that. Let's get into the Super Bowl. <clears throat> Hope you enjoyed everything. Uh, for those of you that um, like the extraneous avenues of the game, the halftime show and the commercials, didn't see a whole lot of the <clears throat> well. The commercials, I really were making notes and not paying attention. Uh, the halftime show, I was looking at first half film quickly to get ready, but uh, I certainly saw the replay of it and um, certainly was a very interesting show there. So hope you enjoyed it or didn't, whatever the case may be. We're here to talk football. So as we kind of broke down the game for you last week and certainly on LandryFootball.com where we go into great detail, we talked about the the degree of of difference in terms of how both teams go about their philosophical approach to football. As it relates to offensive football, defensive football, the Niners, very much a line of scrimmage team, thought they really, um, and this was uh, verified when I studied the tape, were they had their way with the Chiefs at the line of scrimmage early. Not late, not at the end, and, and we'll we'll get into that in a second. But clearly they were able to run the football well. I thought they had a great game plan to control the football, limit the possessions of the Chiefs, um, really defensively played mostly cover two and three, some cover four and invited the Chiefs to work the ball underneath. Banking that they would be impatient, which explosive teams tend to be impatient. They want to go for the kill shot. Need you know, it's that's what they live off of, that's what they feed off of. And if they're not getting it, well they're not doing what they normally do. So it's not for them. 
but the Chiefs were pretty patient and patient to the point where they weren't scoring a lot of points. Mahomes was not comfortable, was a little bit impatient. They probably didn't work the tight end game enough on early downs by design. And, you know, they just weren't able to make enough plays after the catch. And I thought the Niners did a good job. Offensively, they were able to run the football. Scored some, not enough, but scored enough to have control of the game. And quite frankly, won the first half. It was 10 to 10. And I'm going to say this. I'm not going to summarily, and I don't believe in summarily just defending a coach, taking up for the coach when fans and media want to criticize play calling. What I would like to do is explain that there's a whole lot more to it that the people that are criticizing have no clue about. And so, for example... At the end of the first half, there's a lot of discussion about, well, why didn't the Niners call timeout and try to score? Be aggressive. It's a Super Bowl. Be aggressive. Go, go, go. Understand. And it's it's funny because the very thing that they're criticizing for not doing, it's the very thing they criticized them for doing at the end of the game, and I'll explain that. And then again, it's just – Look, you accept the fact when you get into this business as a coach. You're going to get credit unduly when you win. You're going to get unduly criticized when you lose. Just accept it. And I don't mean to patronize, but the reality is people don't mostly don't want – some people do. I mean, I I, I can tell you that the people – for the most part, I think, that listen to this show, I know the ones that send in questions. I can see the intelligence in their question that they want to learn more. I don't have all the answers, folks. I've just been more experienced in football to explain why things are happening. So a lot of fans want to know. A lot of fans don't want to know. They just are fans, and that's fine. And they they want to like certain people or dislike certain people or teams or what have you and just have their preconceived ideas. Because you know the storyline is, well, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator of the Falcons, blew a 28-3 to lead. Now he blew a 20-10 to lead, all in the fourth quarter. Man, this guy chokes. Okay. It's fine. I mean, you can't say that those things didn't happen. Absolutely. They did. And they're on his record. And then it's something he needs to look at and study and see how he can get better on. But, well, you know, instead of just, well, he's a choker, can't do it, maybe understand what was going into it and maybe how is it really choking or is it something that didn't work out that if the results were different, see, a decision to me is a decision. A play called decision is just that. It's a decision based on a lot of issues. It is not in a vacuum like people think. People think that's a think of play calling as a run or a pass. The advanced fan thinks or media thinks it's a inside run, an outside run, a short pass, a medium pass, a long pass. <laughs> There's a lot more to it than that than just the score down and distance. 
you know, most people, when you ask, well, what was the front and coverage that the defense was lining up? I, I don't know. <laughs> if you don't know that, it's, <laughs> it's like trying to diagnose an illness without finding out what the, you know, where, where does it hurt. I don't want to get off too much in a tangent. I want to get into the end of the first half. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. But I want to explain what I believe and understand was the thinking. And when you study the team, you have a little bit of an idea more than folks that maybe just watch games and don't break it down in that this is a Niner team that's built as a play-action team. Okay? What does that mean, Chris? In short, when you run the football, you fake the run, turn the back to the defense. You sell the run so that the linebackers bite up and you play off it. Now, it is not easy to do that. There's some complexities to that because you turn your back to the defense. You don't – you lose it a little bit. You lose sight of it because you're turning your back in order to sell the run. And you're quickly turning back. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback and is only going to get better. Works hard. He's a bright kid. How good? Don't know. Time will tell. It's not as dynamic as Patrick Mahomes. But they've done a really good job with Jimmy Garoppolo. You can make the case, and you can make the case before the half and towards the end of the game, in, a, in the opposite way, the opposite argument that people are criticizing them. It's funny because people are criticizing, the same people are criticizing the end of the first half and are criticizing late in the game, and you're criticizing the complete opposite and don't even realize it. So at the end of the first half, yet they're in a position where they're tied at 10. They're very aware of that the main reason why they have kept Kansas City to 10 points, pardon me, is that they've kept the ball away from them. And their defense has stayed fresh. And they've been able to rush the quarterback and force the ball out of Mahomes' hands with four-man pressures, occasional five, but four-man pressures. Allowing maximum guys in coverage. That umbrella look which is four across, cover four, cover three, or cover two. And they rallied underneath to tackle the ball. Okay. They got the reason why they're successful. Their thought process going into the first, at the end of the first half was, even when they got it at the 20, when it looked like it might be downed, you know, people thought, well, you call a timeout, which even, you know, I know it's reactionary. People say, well, John Lynch wanted, John Lynch is not a coach. Okay, Kyle Shanahan's making those decisions with the idea that, A, it could be down inside the 10 or 5 because you don't know that. And at that point, you want to maybe take some chances, but you don't want to be so risky as to put that Chiefs offense on the field and run the risk of giving up a field goal or maybe even a touchdown and lose a lot of momentum that you're taking in the halftime. You're getting the ball to start in the second half that you are meaning 
I'm speaking in the Niners camp right now. So th- their game plan was, look, in this short, limited time, we can't run as much play action. You see, play action doesn't work in a two-minute offense. It doesn't work. You're not fooling anybody. You're dropping back to pass. That is not what the Niners want to do. That's not what the Niners like to do. That's not what the Niners do very well, or as well as they do other things. Yes, they've moved well in two minutes before. We'll get to that more in a second. But they didn't want to, all right, we're going to go drop back, something we don't do, you know, possibly – Give them time if we don't convert. And no, it's not playing negative, it's playing smart. It's understanding where your strength is and where your weaknesses are. So the people say, oh, you got to play to win. Yeah, those are the same people that are going to criticize you when it, you give up a score. And, and again, I guess some people will just, I just be aggressive, just shoot for the hip. No, there's strategy involved, and there's a, a lot of understanding of your football team and how it relates to your opponent that goes into these decisions. So, look, could they have been more aggressive and scored? Yes. Some ways would I have liked to have seen it? Yes. But I understand what they're trying to do. And so once they were able to get a little leeway to where it looked like they weren't going to leave enough time, then they became a little bit more aggressive. And, of course, the Kittle play, which I think was interference and a good call, um, if – he doesn't push off, still probably makes the play. Perhaps, don't know, um, they get points out of it. And, and no one's really criticizing you then. But everybody said, well, well, you get aggressive then. Why you didn't aggressive and take all the time? It's because, again, you run the risk of three and out, drop back passing game against their pass rush, and you're not a good drop back team. And you don't have the element of play action that you that your whole passing game is built around, you don't have that in your arsenal in the two-minute situation right there. So you're doing something that it's not that you can't do it, you're just not as good at doing it as the play-action pass game. So it's not wanting to – hey, look, you don't want to lose all the momentum that you've built up by controlling the team in the first half, being down 10 nothing come out in the second half, long scoring drive, and you take control of the game, which, by the way, they did. So, you know, there's some thought, well, maybe they could have aggressively scored a field goal or a touchdown at the end of the first half, then come out and scored another touchdown, put the game away almost. This Chiefs offense, nothing's completely put away, but would have been really damaging, right? Yes, absolutely. But that comes with the risk. A risk of, yeah, you can score and then come back and score again. Yeah, you could go three and out. You can force the football, throw a pick. They get a cheap score. And now instead of, oh, let's score to go up seven at half, you're down seven at half. Again, you got to weigh that. I understand that. So, I, you know, I understand what they were doing, and it made some sense. It's not necessarily what I would have done, but I think it needs to be understood. Now, as we get into the second half, there were adjustments made. I get this a lot. Well, they were running the football well. They stopped doing it. 
did you understand what they were doing in terms of their blocking scheme and what caused the success when they were running it? What was the blocking scheme? What was the front? Where were they playing their linebackers? Where were their safeties lined up? No. Most people don't know that. They just, hey, they're running it. It's success. Run it till they stop. Yeah. Absolutely run it till they stop. But when they start lining up differently to stop it, got 11 people on each side, folks. You overplay one thing, you leave other things open out there. And they did. There were plays to be made in the passing game. Now, again, well, you should have been aggressive throwing the football at the end of the first half. That's the criticism. Now, what's the criticism at the end? Well, you were too aggressive. <laughs> you can't win for losing as a coach. You know, Shanahan, when he was with the Falcons, was aggressively throwing the football. Maybe to his detriment in that game, needed to run it more. But that was a team built around the passing game. And had they been able to make one play, and there were several to be made, they probably put that game away against the Patriots. They didn't. Therefore, it's a bad call. It's a bad play. Had he run the football and they stopped it, you got too conservative. You can't win. It's just if you win, you're a genius. And, oh, man, you did all those things. And coaches, we, we sit there and laugh. You know, I'm a real genius. You know, I screwed up half that stuff. And, you know, and it, we got bailed out to play. Again, you get too much credit and too much blame. We get that. I'm just here to try to point out some things that, that I don't think are is understood by based upon now realize that the talking heads and the hot take world, you guys are sophisticated listeners to know that those are not intelligent football people. Even the ones that have played that are quote unquote looking at tape, you can tell a, they don't do their homework or they really don't know and understand the game on a complete coaching type level to where they understand all the nuances of what's going on and why you do it. When you've never coached and you've never called plays, you know when you've made good decisions and bad decisions. People who haven't done that don't know. They only think they know, and that's fine. I do think there were some questionable things that if he had a chance to go back and do over again, he'd do over again. Hell, with the hind, with the with hindsight being there, you'd always do something because if one thing didn't work, try something else. Well, you don't ever do this. You never go in and say, you know what, I think this play is not going to work. I'm going to run it anyway just for the hell of it. No, you run it because it's the best thing you got to execute. So let's get back into the nuances of as the game played out. The Niners were still aggressive on defense and winning. Uh, got a pick, got a score, got up 20-10. Let's take it all the way there. Third quarter. Still a Niners game. I thought, even though it was 10-10, Niners advantage at half. I thought third quarter, definitely advantage Niners at the line of scrimmage, how the game flow was playing, and the scoreboard. So what changed? What happened? Well, I thought you saw two things happen. And I thought the game changed. On the big third down completion, Tyreek Hill. It's fourth down, got a punt because it'll be third and long. 
maybe they get risky and go for it. It's, then it's all or nothing there. Game's over. Because at that point, you know, you're down 2010. It's it's a big play. It got it, and then it set up the interference on Kelsey in the end zone, then the touchdown to close it to 2017. You guys know that. Okay, but the, the Niners in the fourth quarter, mainly, where it started to change, it's because of what the Chiefs did defensively. Why didn't the Niners run the football? Why didn't they run their the Reiner, the Niners uh, were doing a pretty good job with their zone play. The Chiefs became very aggressive with their run blitzes. So what really happened was the Chiefs could not get off blocks the Niners. Okay? Couldn't do it. So they aggressively began to over-pursue, to really um, run a lot of twists and stunts and run and ran some run blitzes so that they they were trying to take chances. They were being overly aggressive. They weren't they were gonna try to stop the run in the backfield and not let it get going. So they couldn't get off blocks. So what they do is to try to overload with run blitzes and attack upfield and penetrate. Now you say, why didn't they do that early? Well, because you do that early, you can, but it's hyper aggressive for a reason. You give up some easy throws. So they Niners just gave up what they did best. I ask you to go back and watch the Saints game that the night probably the biggest win the Niners had all year long. Saints go up, take the lead in the Superdome. They're going to win the game. Two-minute offense. And this is this is a vote for maybe being aggressive at the end of the first half. Niners move the football downfield. Now, granted, it was a fourth down play by Kittle that made it happen. But Garoppolo made some plays. And he made some plays all season long when he had to in the fourth quarter. He did some good things in two minutes. But here's the thing on Garoppolo. He struggles if you take away his first read. I tweeted it out um, at Landry Football Game. You take away the first read, and he struggles. Something he'll grow in and get better with. But that's the reality. So... In the fourth quarter, the Chiefs are aggressively attacking upfield against the run. So it is not the same trying to run against that. They're baiting them to throw. They've got all sorts of options in the passing game. Garoppolo missed quite a few reads, and this is not a knock on him. It's just the reality. The tape shows it. He missed on some reads, and again, Play calls have an options in them. So just the play that was run is not necessarily what was called. It was a, a one of a couple of options that he's got to make the right decision and the read on, and it doesn't always work, and he doesn't always make the right choice. And sometimes you will call a play in a situation that's clearly set to run that play. So sometimes they're options, sometimes they're not. And you got to break down individually and look at the read. Um, 
to be able to determine whether you can see that they're checking from one thing into another. So the whole, well, they should have run it, run it, run it, and not abandon their run game because they weren't good play action. Well, you're right. But if you notice, they did have, they did gash the Chiefs a couple of times. But more often than not later, go back and look at it. They were not having as much success because they didn't know where the rush pressure was coming from. So now as they were dominating most of the game in the run game and run blocking, now they were getting, I mean, they were just guys coming off the edge and coming inside. and It became alignment was different, and all of a sudden it was, well, picking up guys and blocking guys became a complicate, more complicated issue. And with that, the quarterback's got to get the ball out quickly. There were plays to be made. There were some easy throws to be made, easy catches. They didn't make them. You know, as a play caller, and people get criticized, criticized the play calling too much, you, you got to put the blame, too, on coaching on execution. And, you know, the execution in that moment maybe was a little bit too big for Garoppolo and Shanahan, but the play calls, while some of them were not very good, a lot of them were. A lot of them had guys open, and they didn't make plays. And, folks, I don't care. You don't. We can talk about play calls all you want. Play design all you want. Scheme all you want. It's how you execute that scheme. These two teams are a perfect example of it. Both of them are successful, and both got here completely differently with offensive styles. A perfect example of different ways to go about doing it, but they executed very well, and they both got to the ultimate game. So, we should have run the football, should have run the football, should have run the football. Well, I mean, I think you're talking in the early part of the fourth quarter, there were some opportunities to do so. Because of the adjustments that the Chiefs made, it not only opened up things for passing game opportunities, but it made it more difficult to be successful running the football. That's why they threw it a little bit more. And then once you got behind, well, then I think you understand that that's two-minute offense because you don't have time with a minute 43. Sure, you can play action some but all you're doing, see, if you run play action, if a team is no longer biting on the run. Again, explain play action. Play action is forcing the defense to think you're going to run, make it look like a run, and get them to bite. If they said, if they say defensively, screw it, we don't care about the run. We're going to rush upfield, and we're going to attack the run in the backfield, and we don't give to you know what's about. Well, then you're wasting your time play action because you're only doing, you're only fooling yourself, and you're only taking your quarterback and making him turn his back to the defense. If they're not going to respect play action, just get back there and throw the football. <clears throat> Because if you're having a hard time picking things up, then at that point, every run could be a big gash run. You could get it, but more often than likely is going to be a negative play that's going to eat up clock 
which you really can't afford to have happen. Whereas you had some easy throws to make that you missed. And I'm not, you know, talking about the long one that was also missed that probably would have won the game for the Niners in the end. But so the moral of the story is this. Um, the, the Niners, and I explained this, and this is why I really, and I don't mean this to come across as really self-serving, but it's why we really encourage the, the LandryFootball.com membership. We talked about it on different platforms, and I really went into it on, on, the, on the, the different breakdowns of the game. The Niners are a very much on-schedule team. And what I mean by that is they, they win at the line of scrimmage. They win with run blocking and pass rush. If you can find a way to neutralize any of that, they become much easier to, de- to, de- to defend and much easier to attack defensively. You can throw the football on them, but you can't throw it on them because you don't have time to throw. If you can neutralize that, you can have success. If you have a hard time defending the run, but if you can defend the run, then making him go to and you can de- defend his first read in the passing game, it's a much different team. It's a team that is probably going to fall short. Saints did a pretty good job, fell short. The Seahawks did a really good job against the Niners, fell short once and won one. Um, That's the difference. Okay, whereas the Chiefs are never out. The Chiefs are very aggressive on offense. They had to be patient, and I thought deserve a lot of credit for being very patient when, I mean, they threw, Mahomes threw a pick, which is not like him normally. But for the most part, they just kind of took their medicine. We're not going to force it. We're going to be smart. And the defense made adjustments. The defense attacked, attacked, attacked. The defense is very aggressive. And the defense has made plays like it is made all throughout the playoffs. I remember I asked the question, what Chiefs defense are we going to see? The one that was struggling in the first half of the season last year, uh, this past season? Or the one that has been dominant in the playoffs? Well, it was the one that's been dominant in the playoffs. And to me, Mahomes was great. I thought Williams was the best player for them on offense. I thought he he made everything go for them. He really did. Mahomes made plays when he had to. You know, Hill made one. Watkins made one. Kelsey did. But it was Williams. Okay. But the biggest thing that allowed them to win the game was the Chiefs' defense. More than anything, the Chiefs' defense stepped up and made some big-time adjustments and big-time plays. And I wasn't as convinced that Steve Spagnuolo was the answer for Andy Reid this year, defensive coordinator. I knew that it fit stylistically the aggressive approach, but then when you add Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark, um, T. Sizzle, who may not, I don't know if it's going to come back next year, had a little bit of a role late. Um, look, they were able to aggressively make adjustments and get home with pass rush. 
and and again with uh, making the adjustments to the run game with the run blitzes, they really attacked and penetrated and began to bubble the run outside, uh, and and did a good job making sure that they were going to play numbers inside to force the run outside to play to their pursuit speed. And they did a good job of it. They deserve a lot of credit. And and it's more of that that stood out on tape than play calling. So, I mean, to recap, Kyle Shanahan, a dummy for being too conservative at the end of the first half. But he's a dummy for being not conservative enough at the end. You know, again, people just will always look for a scapegoat, and it's going to always be that way. And I'm not here to change it because I don't really get into that world. I try to bring you a sense of experience looking at it. I'm not going to take up for a coach. I'm not going to take up for a team. I'm not going to pull for a team. I'm going to tell you what I see and it's football, it's sports, it's about executing, it is about play call, it is about play design, it is all of those things rolled up into one, and it's about performing when the lights are on. And the Chiefs, I don't believe in the whole, well, it was their year, was fate, but I got to tell you, there is something to it as I'm getting older. When you see a team time and time again come from behind, have the confidence to do it, and to know that we can do this because we have done it, I think it does matter. I mean, I think we saw a disaster unfolding in the first half in Arrowhead against the Texans. They're dead to the water, 24 nothing. Who comes back from that? You know as well as I do that was headed towards an embarrassing loss after the Ravens had lost the night before. And there you have it. Andy Reid can't coach again. So, Kyle, get used to it. You're young. You're just the guy that can't win the big one like Andy Reid until Andy Reid wins one. Look, I think Kyle will be fine. He's going to beat himself up over this. Put it – the Chiefs – Got themselves out of that game. Well, they're not going to be able to stop Derrick Henry in the Titans run game. Except they did. I think they built off of it. You know, so, you know, I do think that there is something to it. And look, it's just patience on offense when they could have turned it over maybe three or four times. They were patient. They're still in the game. Their defense kept them in the game. And then when they needed to ratchet up a little bit, when they had to forcibly get the ball downfield, look, they were, again, go back and look at it. Study it. Big play, third down. Don't make that play. We're not talking about a Chiefs win today. We're talking about, well, can Andy Reid ever win the big win? And I'm trying to explain that. You know, make a big play. This team usually will make enough big plays to win a game. Make a big play, get in, and then, of course, come back defensively, make some plays. And again, the Niners were not able to execute when they needed to. 
the Niners were not able to finish this game off. It's simple to think, man, this team can run the football to anybody. Line up, run the football, close the game out. Except they couldn't. Some of what they were trying to, what they have done all game long run blocking were not working late because of how the Chiefs were playing it and overplaying it at a cost where it opened up things in the passing game that the Niners should have been able to capitalize on. But the Chiefs, they were desperate and the Niners could not take advantage of it, and they lose. Could have handed the football off anyway, and then, of course, you get criticized just as much for, yeah, you know, but you're down, and you're still trying to run the football, and you're going to get criticized anyway. You know, maybe it's staying more true to who you are, but people who are just looking, and it's amazing, some of these ex-players on TV talking about, well, they didn't run it enough, enough, and they did. They they're not even obviously having a clue with what they're watching, with what the Chiefs are doing defensively, and how that's going to affect what you're going to do. Look, the whole point of being able to run the football so well is sometimes people are going to overplay you to the point where it is like taking candy from a baby in the passing game, and the and the Niners couldn't do it. So, look, I mean, that's on them. you got to be able to execute. And the Chiefs had one too many opportunities, which the defense, their own defense gave them. And another big play to Watkins. And then you get in and you get the lead, and then that's it. <clears throat> it's It was a magical year, yes, for the Chiefs. They never gave up. They played with that edge. And they've got a quarterback that can pull things out and now you want to talk about playmaker. You want to talk about the difference. And, you know, Andy Reid has been an outstanding coach for a long time. But Donovan McNabb played very well throughout his career under Andy. Andy, you know, I thought Andy did a good job with Donovan. Quite frankly, getting to a Super Bowl with him was pretty impressive. But you know what's the difference is Andy's always been a great coach. Bill Belichick's been a great coach. You know, but you have a, you know, Tony Dungy's always been a great coach. But you put a Peyton Manning, you put a Tom Brady, you put now a Patrick Mahomes, all of a sudden, a lot of things you dial up, hey, work a whole lot better. And some things that when it breaks down, make a play, that's what they're able to do. The Chiefs were able to make a place. I didn't think, and again, I'm I'm a big, big Andy Reid guy. Known him for a long time, and I've done a lot of work for him. And so I I I am happy we we forecasted them to win. I it, listen. I I don't care who wins, but I got to admit that I really wanted Andy you know, to have success and win this. But Andy did not coach anybody. I mean, he had his team prepared. They were ready. They were poised. They got some playmakers. And I think if anything that Andy did that took his team to the next level is putting Spags in that defense coordinator position and letting him have the type of impact that – made this defense, quite frankly, an outstanding defense. 
in the playoffs. And that was the difference because I don't think you can just outscore people. you got to be able to come up with stops defensively. And we talk college ball and we talk about Oklahoma and their offenses. And Oklahoma has no ability defensively to stop people. LSU, great offense, won it. It's all about the offense. Except LSU's defense down the stretch played really good. They make Trevor Lawrence look average. They really made an Oklahoma offense look pretty average. Their defense played well. They complemented it. This Chiefs defense complemented the offense very well. And so I, I thought it was a really good performance. I thought it was an outstanding game plan by the Niners. And I thought the Chiefs did a better job with adjustments. And I, I don't think the Niners had the answer to fix the run game against the Chiefs' run blitzes, nor did they have the ability to execute in the passing game when the Chiefs were overplaying the run late. And again, the Chiefs were doing it out of desperation because if they didn't get off the field and, and they would continue to get blocked up front, then the game would have been over very easily. So at that point, you become hyper-aggressive because you got no chance. The Chiefs were patient on offense, and I thought they were patient on defense until they had to be overly aggressive, and they did. And then the Chiefs got aggressive enough on offense to take some chances. It took one really good effort by the Chiefs to beat the Niners. So congratulations. Um, No question. Uh, I thought it was a great Super Bowl. Hope you enjoyed it out there. Um, Some quick notes. We're going to get into more on Wednesday, but – um, don't know. Uh, I am always surprised. Don't know why they do it. Why do the Falcons always think it's a good idea to come out with a press release of all the moves that they're going to make? Yeah, they're not going to bring back Vic Beasley. No, no problem. Completely understand that. Just, you know, there's some things you just don't do. I don't want to get that. Anyway, just Panthers officially released Greg Olson. Uh, Terrell Suggs, not sure if he's going to come back. The Browns have hired 49ers passing game coordinator and defensive back coach Joe Woods as their new defensive coordinator. Um, look, Patrick Mahomes' contract discussions may or may not take place and be crystallized this offseason, but he's going to be the highest-paid player in the history of the league. Um I have said and continue to say that Tom Brady will be back with the Patriots. You can book that. I I think the Chiefs will obviously have to work on getting Mahomes and Chris Jones done, but they've got some difficult decisions, it looks like. And one of the reasons why they drafted McCole Hardiman is Hill and Hardiman are going to be there. Hopefully Hill can take care of his business off the field because I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to be there. This offense needs to kind of feed the beast, so they're going to need to replace Watkins. Um, some other news that I think is, um, warranted, uh, or, or needed, uh, look to see, uh, Greg Olson possibility ending up in Washington if he wants to play with Ron Rivera. Um, the Panthers are going to work out Cam Newton sometime in March and can and evaluate him there before they make a decision. Um, it looks like the Cowboys are going to go forward with the franchise tag 
with uh, with Dak Prescott. That's not going to be a fun situation. We told you and had this on LandryFootball.com, gosh, a few days ago, but officially, if you haven't heard, that the Browns have moved on from Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf. Um, so uh, we will we'll see on that. I'm trying to think. Uh, Drew Brees is uh, I'm I'm told is definitely going to come back, but I don't know if it's a hundred percent definite. I thought it was interesting that he made the announcement that he'd be more than willing to cede some of his playing time to Taysom Hill. I think it's going to be Brees and Hill, and I think Bridgewater will likely be gone. Keep an eye out on Delaney Walker as a potential cap casualty um, with the Titans. It uh, looks like Frank Gore wants to play another season. Um, Brian Fitzpatrick is coming back with the Dolphins as expected. Um, some coaching news that you may not have heard over the past week. The Bengals promoted Dan Pitcher to be their quarterback coach. Um, former quarterback coach Alex Van Belt is going to be the new offense coordinator with the Browns. Browns hired Vikings assistant DB coach Jeff Howard as their passing game coordinator, defensive back coach. And again, the Niners pass game coordinator, defensive back coach, is headed to the Browns as D coordinator. Uh, Browns hired Alex Van Pelt as offensive coordinator, as we mentioned. Um, and the uh, the Packers have fired uh, Alvis Whitted as their um, wide receivers coach. So that's the latest there. Hey, want to remind you again to check out all of our podcasts over at Landry Football's conference call. It's where you're going to get these pro football podcasts Monday, Wednesday, and Friday now, as well as the college conference shows Monday through Friday, SEC Monday, ACC Tuesday, Big Ten Wednesday, Big 12 Thursday, Pac-12 Friday. But again, you should know by now that we're discussing college football on a national scale at the top of each show. So it's a national college football show five days a week with a second segment where we go detailed into analysis of each conference um, with a different conference each day, Monday through Friday. So make sure that you check it out. Spread the word. Check out LandryFootball.com for all the latest information. Got signing day again coming uh, this um, Wednesday. You want to know that. Got our free agent board you're working on. So you want to be a part of that and take advantage of the best discount we've ever had with our scouting season offer. Take advantage of that now. It, oh, it's our yearly membership that will get you the best rate ever. It's very, very inexpensive, $4.99 a month, uh, and it gives you the entire year, all the way through next year, all the way through next Super Bowl. You can't beat that. In season, out of season, uh, got more news this time of year than during the season. So check us out at LandryFootball.com today. Join us on Wednesday. We'll talk more football. On the Pro Football Show, I am Chris Landry. <laughs> 